And my name is Terry Chaplin, and I am a Master Grief Coach, and I'm super excited to share this conversation with Pearl today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Pearl. And I'm really excited to share my amazing guest I have today. She's been a, a guide and light for me through my journey over the past year and a half since the loss of our son, Matthew. And so I'm excited to have Terry Chaplin join us today. She currently resides right here in Tampa, the sunny, beautiful area of Tampa where I'm not too far where I'm at. And she lives with her husband, Dell, her stepson, Sean, and their beautiful dog, Cairo. Her journey in life has led her to become dedicated master grief coach. And it's a path she's deeply passionate about. While she absolutely adores cooking up delicious meals, helping women feel great in their bodies and spending time with her family, her true calling is helping people navigate the complex and often overwhelming world of grief. Terry firmly believes that grief isn't something we should go through alone, which I so agree. It's a universal human experience, and she is on a mission to educate the world about the effects of grief and to foster a community of understanding and compassion. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes. And, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, that the way our lives all intertwine and we never thought that you and I would be together having a conversation like this after losing our children. And, you know, I'm very blessed that you kind of guide me from afar on Facebook and social media, you know, and reached out to me and have helped me. And I'm 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 happy that we're able to come together and have you know, sort of like normalize the process of grief because like you and I were talking before we came on, people make these comments and expectations of how we should or shouldn't be grieving. And so I'm excited to delve into this. So tell us a little bit of your story and what brought you to be a master grief. Share your son with us, if you will. Sure, sure. So um, it really kind of started back in 2005. My first husband and uh, my son's father, um, passed away from renal failure. He had been sick for about five and a half years and had under, undergone a couple of kidney transplants and was on the list to um, have a third. Um, and just unexpectedly, I mean, he was sick, but we never expected him to pass away. Uh, so that was something that really brought Tyler and I closer together. We always had a close bond. He was an only child. Um, but <clears throat> after losing his father, we really became closer because it was just us. And we leaned on each other a lot. Um, I probably focused more of my attention than I should have on just helping him heal and helping him through the process. He was 10 at the time. And um, it was really hard for him. He became really socially awkward and kind of withdrew from his peers and um, he gained weight and, you know, kids at that age, he was teased a lot for his weight. So I spent a lot of my time taking care of him and not really taking care of me or focusing on me and um, my grief. Um, I went on to meet someone and um, I'm happily remarried and he was a really big part of Tyler's life and probably my biggest supporter when um, after Tyler passed away. But uh, and Tyler graduated from high school in June of 2012. And then um, it was a normal Saturday. Uh, my husband and I went um, zip lining with some friends and uh, we were living in Southern Maryland at the time. And 
I chatted with Tyler via text throughout the day. He was home uh, registering for college classes. He was going to go to the local community college. So he was home registering for his college classes. And we got home about 8.30 that night. And I thought it was weird that his car wasn't there because he hadn't mentioned going anywhere. And he was a really regimented child. He And he didn't hang out with friends after his father passed away. He really, you know, he spent time uh, volunteering at our local sheriff's office and working on a history project with them, spent time with his grandmother at his job, busing tables or at home. So um, it was weird. So I text him just to say, you know, hey, where are you? And it got no response. So I called him and it went straight to voicemail. And I remember thinking like, okay, that's not my kid. Like, I know other parents who are like, okay, that would be normal for my child, but not mine. Mine didn't go anywhere that I didn't know about. So um, my husband and I went to bed. We kind of talked about it and we thought, oh, he must be out doing a ride along with the sheriff's department and just forgot to tell us because he did that often. And we went to bed and I just couldn't go to sleep. It was just, and I was like, still like I kept calling his phone and, and it was so weird. And probably about 11 o'clock, um, I heard a knock on the door and I wasn't asleep yet. My husband was sound asleep. I was not asleep yet. Heard a knock on the door and my instincts and immediately was like, I was mad because I thought, okay, my husband must have inadvertently locked the door between the garage and the house and Tyler can't get in. So he's at the front door knocking and the knock became like incessant and harder so and the doorbell was ringing so i was really mad then i'm like he's like really trying you know pressing his luck here and so i threw on some clothes and ran downstairs but when i opened the door it was like um surreal i looked and his car was not on the curb where it's always parked and there was a man, I, well, I hadn't even noticed this man at first. I, there's a police officer standing in front of me and one walking up the driveway. So I was like, okay, they must be dropping him off. You know, my mind's just like still. And then I, this man says, um, excuse me, are you home by yourself? And, and I looked and it's a man in a suit and a bow tie. And, and it's, it's just nothing was registering. And he said, do you mind if we come inside? And I was like, no, okay. And he said, are you, are you by yourself? And I said, well, my husband is here. And he said, can you, can you get him? And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why are you here? And he just kept saying, get your husband. And I was yelling for my husband because I'm in demanding, like, tell me why you're here. And um, one of them went upstairs and got um, my husband out of bed. And then that's when they told us that um, Tyler had been involved in an automobile accident and he did not make it. He um, was killed instantly. And I just remember, like, I don't, it's taken me some years actually to remember the, the feelings and the, it's surreal. And, and, you know, I had suffered a pretty traumatic loss and losing my husband, but nothing, nothing could have prepared me for losing my child. Like nothing. I tell people all the time, like, not to take anything away from any grief because grief is hard, regardless of the the loss, the major life change. Grief in it in itself is hard, but 
I believe, you know, that it's, it's, there's no greater loss than that of a child. If there's something unique about it. And, uh, so for, for me, um, it forever changed me and something like almost immediately in me was like, I was never a believer in anything like religious or spiritual, but there was something in me that kept saying like, you have to know more. There's more that you have to learn. And I kept telling my husband, I said, I don't know what this is, but I feel like, like I got to, there's something I need to know. There has to be something greater. There's got to be something to make this easier for me because I can't deal with it. And I, and I kept saying, I wish I could just fast forward a year. I could just want to, like, I don't know what to do with this all consuming feeling. And so it, it turns out it, it led me to scheduling an appointment with a local medium um, that had come highly recommended, but I was super skeptical. So I set up a fake name, a fake email. I wouldn't give her my phone number and, you know, all of the above. And uh, we went and it was a, that changed the trajectory of my grief for me, because um, as you can probably relate, one of the hardest things for me was that Tyler could no longer, you know, see and hear things that I felt like I wanted him to see. Like he was deputized, even though he was only 18, his dream was to become a sheriff's deputy in our hometown. And so the sheriff deputized him at his funeral and he was given a full honors. The color guard for the sheriff's department carried his casket. Um, it was just a beautiful experience. And I know I kept saying like, Tyler would think he was so cool if he could just see this happening, you know, and his dream is being realized and he's not even able to see it. Like I couldn't handle that. And so after talking with her, she actually shares some details from inside the funeral home when he was deputized and how we were presented with something, which was his badge. And, um, it gave me hope and it gave me a, a little sense of comfort. And so I started reading every book that I could read and really educating myself on grief and how to process it in a healthy way. I tried some traditional therapies, but I nothing really resonated with me. I never felt like I could connect with whomever it was. I tried multiple places. I just couldn't make a connection. And I felt like they didn't understand my grief, which is what I needed somebody to talk to me about. And so I really, um, I read everything I could read and uh, listened to things. And I really helped myself through, you know, through the process um, to get to a better place. And out of that, I, I just decided that, you know, the career I had had for 29 and a half years was no longer serving me. It didn't feed my soul. And I felt like I needed to do something to honor the loss of my son and to, you know, kind of make meaning out of it. And, you know, my husband encouraged me to, well, you know, quit your job. If you want to quit your job, it's, it's not serving you quit your job. So I did and immediately came on a business trip with him to Florida. And long story short, in four months time, we had relocated to Florida. And when we got here, he said, okay, what do you want to do with your life? What are you passionate about? And I said, well, <clears throat> I'm really passionate about supporting people who are grieving a loss. I'm really passionate about 
reaching out to moms when I see that a young person has lost their life because I just, I know what she's feeling in that moment. And I want to take it away from her if I can. I want to lighten her load. I want to offer her a little glimmer of hope if I can and just walk beside her. And that led me to, um, I got uh, my certification as a master grief coach and um, other you know things you know to help educate me more on how to best help other people. And out of that became... You know, living in gratitude with TLC, where I support um, my my heart is is in all of it, but I really um, get the most out of talking to other moms who have lost their children. Like that is where, and I feel like I'm doing it for Tyler. I'm doing it to keep his legacy, you know, alive to to keep his memory alive. And um, but it's the most fulfilling thing. I ever could have done. It really, I feel like I am really blessed to be living my true purpose in life. And I feel like this is, you know, this is where it is. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That is just, uh, you know, I've gotten to know you through Facebook and I guess I never tie together. We have Virginia ties too. I didn't realize we probably passed each other up there in Virginia because Chuck and I lived up there for many years, but, and you're right. Like the, like my husband, so Chuck, like when you talk about the grief is different, right? It is so different. Like Chuck lost his biological dad the day before he died, before he was born, he died. Then he lost a brother at 12 years old, that to a bleeding ulcer. And then he lost a really close uncle. And of course we lost my father-in-law and then my mother-in-law passed in 2016. So, and so those were all, you know, huge losses, but when, when it was Matthew, it was just like so different. And you were talking about that feeling, like knowing something's not right. I remember the, the night that Matt passed, like we were talking earlier, I talked to him 20 minutes before he passed and we you know, exchanged, we love you, text when you get home, those kind of things. And literally I usually sit next to Chuck sits on a recliner. And normally I sit at the end of the um, sectional near his recliner typically. And for whatever reason, after we talk with him, I moved to the other end of the other uh, sectional. And I was just shaking, it's like so uncontrolled me. And Chuck's like, you got to stop worrying about him. You're going to have a heart attack. I'm like, this is not that, something's wrong. Like I could just feel like you were saying the same thing, like where you're saying how you went to bed and you, you know, you couldn't sleep, but all, all those feelings you're saying that it's like, so those moms that are out there listening, like those are true that it happens. We hear all the time that you feel something's going on with your kids. Listen to that. You know, I always talk about your gut instinct, like listen to that. And, and, you know, and to, to the whole, and and I, I'm so glad you shared the story with us because, you know, we, the loss is so heavy and to, to you, for you to honor him and, and find something to pay it forward, you know, so many times, you know, and I know like for me with my group, I'm like, what, I kind of felt the same thing. Like, what am I going to do? You know, what do I, you know, rightfully so somebody could have said, Oh, Pearl's going to grieve the rest of her life. She's going to be sad. And I don't, I don't want that. You know, I didn't want that. I felt like I wasn't honoring Matthew's memory if I was to live that way, because he saw me finally figure out who I was finally put myself first, not live behind the titles of mom and wife and all those titles. And I felt like, and literally the night before he passed, we were throwing water bottles in the garage together. And he's like, mom, I'm so glad you're like showing up in this fun way now. You know, he's like, I'm so glad you've been doing this for a few years. And, um, and when you said about 
you know, the journey you went through and then the move here and then finding, you know, that this is your calling. I sat here when you talked about you want it to be there for other moms to walk beside them or or help, you know, take some of that pain, you know, for, for them. It reminded me of his best friend's mom who sat with me. Like she literally came over. I mean, his his elementary school nurse came over, which she was amazing because she'd lost her her son um, a little older to, um, I believe it was cancer. So she reached out to me right away and she came over. But when Kim came and she like, she, you know, I called her and I had to go pick up his belongings. And she's like, do you want me to go with you? And I said, yeah, because they're telling Matthew's phone was a red case, but I guess when they were looking in the clear plastic, it looked like it might've had blood on it. So I'm like, yeah, they want me to go pick it up. So she went with me, but as we were driving, she paid forward things that she's like, when this happens, think about this. Like she even said, um, Matthew never ended up going in the hospital because he died at the scene. So there was no hospital bills. Her son, unfortunately, had taken his life. So he was in the, he he had been in the hospital for a little bit. So she said, if any hospital bills come forward, he's over 18, you're not responsible for those. I was like, wow, I, you know, things like that, I would never thought of. So having somebody like you um, to help parents, moms, those, those that are grieving to say, you know, let me pay for it. Some of the feelings you're going to feel that like what you said about fast forwarding the year, I was like, oh my God, I remember saying that to my husband. Can I just fast forward this first year? Cause I don't, you know, I, when I think it was, I want to avoid the reality that it's true. And maybe next year he'll be here or something, you know, that was my thinking. But when you said that, I was like, God, that's just so how I feel, you know, felt that first year. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that Tyler's put that, that that's your calling to, to do that because I think we need that. I think sometimes we feel lost, especially as a parent of what do I do? You know, and, and we have, and for us, we have Nate, you know, our younger son, Nate, we're like, so a lot of times what I struggle with is I want to make sure I'm not grieving too much that I'm also forgetting that Nate's still here, you know, that, that feeling. And so it's like this weird balance. And, um, you know, so I, I just, I'm glad you're doing that. And so tell us, I know you just started this new program. I've been watching and everything. So tell us about that as well. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. So when I first started doing this in, oh gosh, 2020, um, I, from then until just recently, I just do private one-on-one, um, coaching. And, um, while I love that, that is where my, you know, true passion is, um, because I, I, you know, everybody's grief journey is unique and I don't have a regimented, this is what we're going to do in session one, session two, session. It's not like that at all. I really get to know whoever it is that I'm working with and find out what their pain points are and where they're struggling. Um, we really dive deep. Some people are dealing with guilt, you know, some people are dealing with anxiety. It's, there's a lot of different things, you know, emotional and physical side effects of grief. So, um, but in doing so, I started realizing that I'm only me. I'm one person. And if I'm doing, you know, my six month program for private coaching is 12 sessions um, once every other week. Some people like to speed it up if they need more care and we do it every week and, and are done in three months. But um, 
it takes a lot of my time. So there's not, I can't help everyone. And my desire to really more like, I want to educate the world. We talked a touch briefly on all the misconceptions surrounding grief. Like people just don't know about grief. They just don't know about it. It's just an ignorance overall. And because of that, there's so much judgment placed on us as grievers. And it doesn't afford us the the grace and the space to really grieve the way that we need to and to feel comfortable sharing with other people. So because of that, grief ends up being extremely isolating for some people. Um, We feel like we have to wear this mask and we can't show, you know, be honest about what we're feeling. So, so many things that, um, you know, just the private coaching alone wasn't affording me the opportunity to do. So um, I brainstormed a lot. And what I came up with was I have a new community. It's called Healing Hearts Community. And it's part of my private grief coaching. And then I also developed a new group program um, that would meet um, once a week for six months and more as a group. And along with that, I created a workbook called Grief to Growth, which is going to be exclusive to my coaching clients for both my private and my group coaching. Um, And with the group coaching, we really are because we're in a group setting. I I don't have the ability to really dive into each individual person's struggles. So we cover a wide array of it and it's 24 modules in that Um, it's, it's every single week for an hour. Um, we cover everything about what grief is, how grief affects us physically and emotionally, um, different coping mechanisms we do. It's very interactive. The workbook has a lot of activity space in it that we work through together during the coaching program. So doing that just allows me to be able to serve more people on a greater scale. Um, And then I also went through and recorded the 24 modules. And um, I offer that as a self-paced online course uh, for a very nominal fee. If you are more comfortable with that or, you know, private coaching just isn't in your butt, um, you can sit in the comfort of your home and work through the process. And you do have the option of of getting the workbook to work through um, with that also. But it comes with a lot of, I have a lot of things that uh, because I feel like everybody needs some support, whether they can, if it's a financial option or not. So I do a lot of um, workbooks that I create for my coaching clients that I like. Will just I just share um, with people and give to people, and it's that's all available with that um, the online course too. And then along with my private and the group coaching comes access to the membership in the healing hearts community. So it's kind of like a, like a Facebook group, but not on social media. Um, it's, it's outside of social media um, and thinkific. And so it's a community looks very similar to that. You can, um, when you join my private coaching or the group coaching, you are automatically have lifetime access to that. You can create a profile you can post in there, um, you know, you can chat, you know, with the other people that are in there. You can ask questions, you know, I'll do engaging posts in there and and, and just to get conversation going. Um, and my goal is to, this is, it's brand new. So I, 
you know, we're, we're, we're just starting out and building the community. And my goal is to have different spaces inside of the community for the different types of grief. So if someone joins the community, but you can get a membership to the community, it's $19 a month um, without any coaching. Uh, and then my goal is to have different spaces within there for like grief experience from divorce or um, grief experienced from just a severed relationship um, with someone or you know, loss of a job, loss of a pet, the, the different types of things that um, elicit grief. But I'm really excited and to be able to reach, you know, so many more people and to be able to help so many more people with this community. I, so thanks excited. for asking about it. No, you're welcome. I'm excited for it because I've been watching you build it and, and just the, the help that from afar you've given me, it's been so powerful. It's been comforting and, you know, and we need that. And I love that you're doing it for different things of grief too, because grief isn't just a loss of, you know, a child, loved one. It's, it's different things like you touched on, uh, you know, uh, ending of a uh, family relationship. I mean, I just recently, um, I, I, I divorced my parents, you know, because I divorced my dad years ago because he became racist at my son, but I had to divorce my mom because of some actions that she was doing. And it was really stemmed from generational stuff that I, you know, at 17, I had stopped, was trying to be like, I'm, I'm the daughter. I want to be there for my mom and, you know, try to show up. And then when it appeared again, I was like, no, your boundaries are your boundaries. You've got to stick to your boundaries. And so, and so there's grief with that too. It's like, you know, uh, all that. Absolutely. You know, a job. I love that you're touching on those different areas. You mentioned, and we have about 10 minutes, um, 10 to 15 minutes left. You mentioned about the misconceptions about grief. And I, I want to touch about that because one of the things that I know when Matthew passed, I was, I was taken aback by things people would say, right? Like, um, I remember probably about around Matt's one year anniversary, somebody's like, aren't you over it yet? Am I going over what? Like, explain that to me. I was like, and yeah. it kind of reminded me, my my husband laughed because like when we adopted Matthew, my mom and I were at a mall and this lady had walked up and said, oh, you must be married to a really good looking black man. And my response was like, nope, because my husband's white as white can be, right? I'm like, nope. And then she follows around the mall and she came up again. I, I was like, nope. And my mom's like, how do you do that? I go, because people just don't think sometimes before they speak. I said, so there's no reason in putting her down or anything. So now, you know, somebody made that comment to me. And then um, and like, even with the, 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 you know, divorcing of my mom. So I was like, how can you do that? It's, it's your parents. And I looked at them and I said, let's put it in a different way. If this was a man or my spouse of any kind, partner or whatever, behaving this way and being this narcissist behavior, would you want me to stay in that marriage? You know, so I was like, can we look at it a different way, you know? And so um, I, and I had a friend who had said too, that she had somebody who's like, are, you know, aren't you past it? Yeah, I was like, there's no passing. Or or like um, in, my, in our grief support group that we do once a month, somebody shared how, you know, the comment, well, he's in a better place. But what's better than being next to me? <laughs> you know, so those misconceptions. Yeah. And then, and then I had friends and I still know I have some friends to this day who don't reach out to me because I know it's they don't know what to say. And when I have a friend walk up to me and say, Pearl, I just don't know what to say. I go, that's the best thing you can say to me. It's just, you don't know what to say. That just makes me feel good. You're thinking of me and that's all I need. You know, I, that's all I need. So one of the things that we, like within hours of Matthew passing and family starting to come in, the three of us, Chuck, Nate, and myself, we committed to each other that we weren't going to hide our emotions. That if we cried, we cried, you know, just let it out because it's memories, right? That are coming. They're beautiful. 
And so when our family was arriving, we told them the same thing. We're like, don't talk about, don't not talk about him and don't cry. Don't cry in front of us because you're, you know, you're afraid for our feelings. We need that. that And that's for me for comforting. So Terry, can you touch on some of that for us? Sure. Yeah. And that's part of when I say like educating the world about grief, that's exactly, you know, what I mean, because uh, people tend to shy away from us and it's because they don't know what to say. And, and for me, I want other people to know, like, you don't have to shy away from us. We don't, I, I said this myself to a friend and then I had my a client, Julie, just recently say to me, her, her best friend forever, she reached out to her and said, I don't have the plague. Like, I, I lost my son. I don't have the plague. And, and then it's like awkward silence. Like I, but it's because they just don't know what to say. So I encourage people like reach out to someone if you know they're grieving a loss and all you have to do is just say, I'm thinking about you. You don't have to ask a question you don't have to have some profound thing to say. Just say, I'm thinking about you or send them flowers, send them a card, take them a meal, whatever it is. And I, and I say to don't ask, you know, what, what can I do for you? Because most of the time we're not going to tell them what they can do for us. So if you want to do something for someone that's grieving, take, you know, take the initiative and just do something for them. Um, but as far as the misconceptions go, there is no time frame for grief. There is no time limit on grief. We always carry our grief with us. It's always there. We just find a way to experience joy and allow that joy to coexist alongside our grief, but it doesn't leave us. And I've heard people say, well, I don't want to mention their name or I don't want to talk about them because I'm afraid that I'm going to make them sad. And, and for me, I always tell people like, let me let you in on a little secret. I am sad at the loss of my son. There's nothing that you can say that's going to make me sad. It is sad. But what makes me happy is to hear people tell stories of him. For me to be able to share stories or just be in a family setting and and we're talking about last Christmas or whatever. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I, I remember the Christmas when I, Tyler's dad was in the hospital and I came home and he had put the artificial tree together and none of the limbs were in the right place. It was the biggest Charlie Brown tree ever. And then you get awkward silence from people around the room. It's like, no, this makes me happy. It brings me joy. It's what I need. We don't want you to not talk about them. Like we want to talk about them. So, um, and just be careful in judging the path of another person's grief because, and, and you as the griever don't compare your grief to that of someone else, because I've had many clients who are feeling like they're not doing something right, or they're not normal because Susie, you know, was over her loss and, and, you know, in a new relationship in six months time, like, but what works for one person doesn't work for the other. And you can't ask us to, you know, get over it. There's no getting over it. We have a process that we have to work through. If we just try to get over it, because that's what society expects of us, we won't process it. We'll, we'll end up with anxiety and it, you know, we're, we're its ugly head in so many other ways. So um, I just say, don't grieve 
you know, or don't uh, judge the grief journey of another person and don't compare your grief to that of someone else. It's very unique. Take your time and you work your process the way that works best for you. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I remember the first time I went to um, the grief group that I'm in now, there was a, a lady there and she, I think it was like almost, I want to say 10 to 15 years ago that she lost, um, I believe it was a, I, it was a child and then a grandchild. I can't remember the story, but she was very, you know, she was crying, of course, you know, and sharing the story. And, and she was like, this is why I don't like to come to these things because it makes me cry. And I looked across the table and I said, can I thank you for being here? Can I thank you for showing me that even so many years from now, those feelings are going to come up and they're okay. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're trusting us with those feelings. One and two, you're reassuring me that it's not going to ever go away. The waves are going to come and to let them come. You know, um, I was in the, I was in the um, grocery store getting um, something at the deli one time and I was standing there and I, something about, I was remember getting a sub or something with Matthew one time and I just started, must have had tears coming down my eyes and the, the young man's like, are you okay? Like, do you need, I'm like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm just having a moment. Right. You know, I just said, I'm just having a moment. Right. So, and then when we went on our cruise for Thanksgiving, you know, I, it was our first family vacation since Matt passed. Like, it, you know, we have not gone anywhere as a family without him. And I remember Thanksgiving morning waking up and I was like, gosh, this is really heavy. Nate got engaged the night before. And I remember just sitting there, like it was really overwhelming. And then I tried to go to breakfast with everybody. I had my sunglasses on and I just couldn't sit there. So I, I'm like, I have to get up and I need to go and sit, you know, so I went over by the a, a table by the water or something. I was just watching the water and we had a day at sea. And and I just remember, and then I I kind of like, I, I was like, everybody's like ignoring it. Like, just like ignoring, you know, that I'm going through this. It kind of pissed me off. It's like, you, you know, I was like, don't you see, you know, and I, then I said, you know, and then later I'm like, why did I do that? But I, I think I said something about, hey, sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable. I was just having a moment missing Matthew, you know, but no acknowledgement of it whatsoever. So that kind of got me frustrated too. But, um, but I'm glad you shared that. I'm glad you shared, like everybody's journey is so different and don't judge how one person should do versus the other one, because we don't know. I mean, like you said, there's a day before, you know, I can remember everything about the night before Matthew passed to everything since then, you know, and, and I get up every, every day, you know, I was telling somebody, they said, so how, like, how has the journey been? And I said, you know, the first year was like that, like we we're talking earlier, can I fast forward the year? Like that first year was a shock, like truly the shock. I would still go like, oh, he's going to walk in the door. And then I go, oh, wait, he's not going to walk. And, you know, I had those feelings that first year. And then, and then the second year it, it's been, you know, more of the accept, like accepting, like accepting that, okay, he's not going to come in the door. This is our path. This is our journey. And like you, what am I going to do with it? Right. And so, so that's, you know, so I, I'm, you know, I know you're a few years ahead of me, so but I look to people like you and then like Lisa Nickel, who sat with us when Matt to do all the planning and everything for Matt services to have that support is so powerful. So if you are listening and, and any of this resonates with you, we're going to put in the show notes how to reach out to Terry and how to, you know, talk to her and or if you want to message me, you know, but to get that support, because it's really, really important when you're ready to have the support. Right. Because we can't rush you to say, well, this, there's no timeline. I, I think we have to remember that too, for everybody that's listening is there's no timeline and society, like we said, may want you to have a timeline, but it's your timeline. Yeah. And it's important to have a safe space 
where you can talk about it. So I always encourage people to, if you have that special friend or that special family member, lean on them and let them know how they can best support you. Like I, it's our duty to let other people know how they can best support us because otherwise grief is really isolating and people will shy away because they don't know what to say. So we have to let them know you know, what we need. And if you don't have that person, then reach out to someone like myself or Pearl, who someone who can support you through the process because we need that. It's, it's, you can't go through it alone. You really can't. And if you try, I've worked with many people years later who, um, you know, can't function at their job because the anxiety is there and they don't even know why they're suffering from anxiety and having panic attacks. And it just goes back to these unprocessed losses that they just thought, okay, I can just hide it. I can pretend like it didn't happen, but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't go away. It doesn't leave you. It just shows up in, in, you know, you can be a person who becomes very angry. It's just, there's a lot of ways that it manifests itself. And if you don't work the process. So it's, it's really important to have a safe space where you can share and and work the process without judgment from others. Yeah, that's so true. So speaking of which, let um, let everybody know that's listening and watching how they, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, Well, I am on social media. Um, My, uh, on Facebook, it's Terry Lynn Chaplin, C-H-A-P-L-I-N. Um, but if you want to know more about the Healing Hearts community, you can just Google my Healing Hearts community and you'll it'll come up. Um, my business is actually called Living in Gratitude with TLC. I have a website that has all the information too, but um, just to see you know more in depth the, all of the different um, things that are available in the community, um, searching my Healing Hearts community is probably the the best way to do, but I'm on social media. My page is public. So, um, you can message me, um, you know, reach out to me, whatever's, whatever's easiest for you. Awesome. And I will put all that in the show notes as well. So you guys can access it as well. So we're going to go to the, the big fun part of the segment and everybody, Terry already knows we're going to do this, but we're going to shuffle our cards. And so Terry, you tell me when to stop and we'll read your card. So here we go. Stop. All right. So, oh my gosh, this is so perfect. How can I find peace today is what your card says. How can you find peace today? Um, my biggest suggestion in finding peace today would be to um, quiet your mind, sit in a quiet space, focus on just your surroundings, breathe in and breathe out. And think about the things that you have to be grateful for. If you're not in a, in a space like that, go outside and take a quiet walk and just audit your environment and look around and, you know, take a moment to look at the flowers or a bird flying by or something um, that you can feel grateful for. Anytime I feel can feel grateful for what I have or what's around me is a moment where I can find peace. 
I love that. Quiet your mind. I love it's one of the things I love yeah. about meditation and in the afternoon. That's part of, you know, we talk about self-care here often is, you know, that's so important for your self-care. And even in the afternoon, just taking like a five minute break just to be like step away from your computer, from your phones, just take some time to sort of re mm-hmm. reconnect with your brain and your and your breathing is so, so important. Terry, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for all that you've done and you know, reaching out to me. Um, I can't wait to see the community grow and all the things you're doing. It's just going to be so empowering to all those that are out there that unfortunately will walk this journey as we are as well. And those that have passed that they will hear your story and reach out to you as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. All right. So as we close out the show, I'm going to remind you guys again that we do, we're, we're born into this this oyster and it's a rough on the outside, but as you work on the inside and you do take time for yourself and just reach out to somebody that can help you on your self-care, you will find your inner pearl of greatness. And I hope today you're inspired to go find your inner pearl of greatness. Hello, sunshine. Good to see you again. Had to walk out 